I'm Natana. And I'm Jess. And this is our podcast. Wait, what are we doing again? (laughs) Well, we'll be diving into how the hairiest and most complicated problems in the world can be traced to the most mundane beginning. To see if maybe we're not so fucked after all and maybe there's something we can do about it. Oh, is that all? Yes. Negotiating your reality. Okay, so you know how right now everyone has an opinion and everyone's talking about how the world is more disjointed than ever. Everyone has a strong opinion. No one's ever going to agree on anything. No one is okay with someone else having a different opinion to them. And everyone's just trying to argue each other into a corner where one person ends up being ultimately right one person ends up being ultimately wrong with the whole idea that that's the only way to change power dynamics where it's like all right you gotta you gotta prove that they're wrong you're right that's why things need to change and then that's how you're able to actually start negotiating for your needs desperate attempt to control yeah that's all I see yeah exactly and it's like so old paradigm no it's Mm -hmm. such an old way of going about it where the only way to win is by conquering and I feel like we've just gone through that so much we've seen so many versions of that so many iterations of that it's like okay we can like 100% establish that that doesn't fucking work. True. So tell me, what's this realisation you had on the way over here? Like, that was it, bitch. That was it. (laughs) (laughs) So I was thinking, I was thinking about something really interesting that I heard the other day, Mm -hmm. which is that if humans go instinct, no, extinct. extinct. Oh my God, my words. That's great. So what did she say? Instinct. <laughs> if humans... Is that like the opposite of extinct? Like <laughs> what's happening right now where we're overrunning the earth? <laughs> In my head it was more like sync, like a boy band, but for extinction. <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> but the whole idea that if humans go extinct, the world keeps on operating. Mm-hmm. If insects go extinct then that is it donezo in fact when you look at you look at chernobyl yeah yeah right you look at chernobyl right now where like the one place on earth that had to be completely evacuated a city that had to be completely evacuated is still evacuated now is overrun by trees and wildlife it's thriving Mm -hmm. thriving Mm -hmm. um now that humans are gone. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's this whole idea that, wow, what, we're that obsolete? We're that chaotic? Where all we're doing is we're using the world's resources. Whereas every other aspect of the world is within harmony. They're working within this ecosystem. And we are outside of that ecosystem. In fact, we're destroying that ecosystem. 
And it made me think of a few things. Okay. It made me realize a few things. Because I'm thinking to myself, well, I feel that if you look at it, the way that we see it is that, like, imagine circles within bigger circles and a bigger circle and a bigger circle and a bigger circle. Like, you're looking at it bird's eye view. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Smaller circle in the middle. Then that's, like, slightly bigger, slightly bigger, slightly bigger. Yeah? The smallest circle could be, like, cells? <laughs> Fungi? Like, that kind of thing. Like, okay. I'm talking about... microbes yeah Yeah. like that might yeah or like the whole microbe environment okay then you look at like insects animal kingdom you know it keeps on coming out um like each circle is bigger and bigger and the whole idea is that one conquers another yeah what's the biggest circle humans humans are the biggest circle that encompasses everything else therefore we own everything else yeah in our minds sure Sure, yeah, exactly. And what I realized was two things. Firstly, imagine being an insect. You will have no idea that humans have an entire world. It would be unfathomable. You would just know insect within like the insect world and insect awareness. All we care about is how the insects are annoying us and how they should get out of our habitat. Our (laughs) artificial habitat is not for them. But the whole idea is that Within each of these circles, they are all almost in their own self-contained worlds. And us, in this biggest circle, looking down, we can see all the other smaller circles and how they work. How do you mean by self-contained? As in, this world that we created, Mm -hmm. modern-day society, that's a human man-made construct. So it's like our own world. Whereas, if you look at like the animal kingdom, for example... There's hierarchy there and all that. Mm-hmm. And that's considered another world with its own set of rules and all that. Sure. But the whole idea is that because we're humans, we're a bubble that we conquer all the worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all because we can see the other worlds, but the other worlds can't see us. Like a lion will never be able to fathom how human society works, you know? So it got me thinking about what's the level above us. All because we can't see the level above us doesn't mean that there isn't a level above us. So, what is a world which can only exist if humans exist? I thought about it, and I realized what it was. <laughs> Part of me is like... I'm on the edge of my seat here. Do you, would you, <laughs> do you want to guess? I honestly... What is the world above us? If, like, we have our man-made world, society, yeah, we have humans. Mm -hmm. Humans can't exist without insects. Humans can't exist without the environment, the wilderness, yeah? Humans can't exist with biodiversity, blah, 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 yeah? But they can all exist without humans, yeah? What is a world that, what is something, a construct that can't exist without humans? That's ideas. Ideas, concepts, mental models, music, like art, culture, all those kind of things. Those are all ideas. There are different ways that we express and communicate. Mm -hmm. So it's the world of ideation can't exist without humans. 
We wouldn't have the knowledge of math without humans. Math would stop existing. You would see evidence of it in the like in the world. You'd see like the golden ratio stuff like that. Well, no one would see it. It's no like one. that whole thing. Yeah. It's like does a tree fall and make a noise if no one's there to hear it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it starts this whole thing being like, all right, well that is the world that only exists if humans are around. The world of the mind, the world of wisdom, knowledge, all that kind of stuff, like that whole realm. Mm -hmm. And it made me also realize that the way that we're looking at, like going back to this circle, as the biggest circle that dominates all the other circles, because it's within it, yeah? We're actually looking at it all wrong. And if we change the point of view of the camera, instead of looking at the bird's eye view down on the circle, if we move the camera so that we're actually looking at the side view, we'll see that it isn't a circle within a circle within a circle, but rather it's a layering effect it's of a, a circle, <laughs> a circle <laughs> on top of a circle, on mm -hmm. top of a circle. And these are all layers that build and build and build. So nothing is actually conquering the other, but instead we're adding layers of complexity each time mm -hmm. and when you start looking at it that way there's no domination that's needed because it's very clear to us that all because our world is more complex than the microbe world doesn't mean that we can control it we have power over it or anything like that yeah we can manipulate it we could like make cool things you know but at the end of the day, we need that. It's a layer within our existence. Mm. Yeah. So if we play it like a zero-sum game, like there's a win-lose, that means... It's never going to work. We all lose. Exactly. The world is actually built on layers. It isn't built on conquering. It's built on layers. The reason why all the layers below us can work well without us is because... They are all part of this larger order, you know, this, this natural intelligence. That's what an ecosystem is. Us as humans, we see that we have chosen to not be part of that, that we stepped out of that. But instead, we are stepping into the ecosystem of thought, of idea, of all that stuff. And that's the stuff that completely rules and governs how we do everything our relationships what we think we're capable of doing like how we interact with like those around us what we create all those things they're governed by thought so conquering is actually something that doesn't exist conquering is actually or it's a juvenile idea yeah mm -hmm. it's fucking dumb it actually doesn't do anything because the world doesn't work like that. The world is layered. And when we start, when we realize that, we can start looking at how do we negotiate the kind of world we want for ourselves, the kind of world we want to build, the kind of world we want to live in, the future of where humanity is going. What kind of world do we want when it isn't about conquering? To negotiate the terms of that, it isn't about someone being right or wrong. But instead, it's about 
how can we build on these layers? That changes the conversation completely. For a minute there, I was like, how is she bringing it back? How is she going to bring it back to <laughs> negotiating our realities? It's like, <laughs> this circle upon this circle upon this circle. Don't look at it from the bird's eye view. Come to the ground. <laughs> like, <laughs> she did it, people. She did it. <laughs> you know, I was trying really hard to like remember to come full circle because I'm like, damn, I could get lost in it because I had diagrams going on in my head as well. And uh-huh. I'm like, okay, Natana, like, <laughs> tie it together, tie it together. <laughs> I'm glad we got that. Yes. Absolutely. But how fucked is it? Like, I, my mind is being blown on my way to yours. Because of that realisation. She just thinks these things up when she's driving. Yeah. Listening to good music, too. <laughs> Maybe I should include the playlist. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Everyone become geniuses. That's how it On works. their way to work. <laughs> So bringing that back, I think, maybe to the individual level of negotiating your reality and how that might look. Okay, so the way, the reason why it ties in so beautifully is because you know the book that we're reading, like Ask For More? It's about Alexandra... Carter. Carter. Yes, okay. So I don't know how deep into it you got i'm deep enough to know oh, deep enough i'm deep oh. i've gone deep um <laughs> <laughs> I like the dip um so i'm i'm definitely deep enough into it that you know she's she speaks about negotiation and i'm deep enough that she has said uh that negotiation is not about a win-lose situation, which I can relate to yes. the higher level concept that you've just described. Yes. So yeah, I read, I've read, well, I've read into it. So from the beginning towards the end. Okay. Like a, so you know how like I'm a be- regular book reader. Are you dissing me? Because <laughs> no, I'm really I not. I'm just, I'm actually, I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually dissing me. I'm like, I'm really boring. I just like to go from... Actually, I normally didn't do that, but now I'm like doing it because I'm giving myself a full perspective rather than just picking and choosing. You're a great reader. You're a fantastic reader. She does so well. I only did this so that I could get a really good sense of it. Mm -hmm. But... Well, you go first. Give us the overarching. Well, I mean, if you're at the beginning, you could explain... The concept. Yeah, so she's a lawyer and negotiator. And she talks about how uh, mediation is really different from any other type of negotiation in law, which is really interesting. And that's why she's gotten this different perspective. The perspective that we, that negotiation isn't a win-lose, zero-sum game. But negotiation is more about steering, steering the ship, steering relationships, steering your life. Yeah, yeah, because she uses that kayak kind of analogy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like you gotta, you, when you're steering the kayak, when you're paddling, you're not just paddling into the water, but you're looking at the current, you're looking at the wind, you're, you're taking all these things into account. Where are the ends of the riverbank? Like, 
You don't want to hit anything other any rocks in the water. Like you're doing this whole like 360 analysis of it. And I really like how she uses that to describe negotiation and saying that you always got to, you got to see the whole picture in order to know where to steer. But also how she was saying that negotiation doesn't start from when you have something that you want. So it's not when you're finally ready to get like a certain outcome you want or it's time to assert yourself or stand up for what you want, you know? No, no, no. She talks about how negotiation is basically how you're telling someone to treat you every day. Negotiation is with every single interaction. And negotiation is about understanding not only what you want, what's in your way, how you want to get there, but also like fundamentally understanding the other person's point of view just as deeply. And then finding the crossover or finding ways that you could both meet each other's needs. And like her book is like a whole framework for that basically. But that's the whole thing of like being able to see the commonalities and like what we can do together and also asserting how to assert boundaries of like this is what I want even if you don't value that thing mm -hmm. and you don't care for it so you don't understand why I want that. Totally. And I, I really I really like it because it brings the power back to you um, to navigate your life in the way that you want without having to shove anyone else out of the way. Mm-hmm. Because it's, yeah, because it comes back to the zero-sum game, to the conquering. If you want something, that means you have to push something else down to get what you want. Mm -hmm. And it's very, I mean, it's very smart from a psychological point of view because she, it's literally all about asking questions, but not just asking questions, asking the right questions at the right time. You know, when, when you ask questions, you are leading the conversation as much as it often feels like you're giving your power away because you're asking the questions, but whether you're asking the questions to yourself or asking the question to somebody else, that is really where the power of negotiation comes in. It's not just planning your argument and then waiting for the rebuttal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I found it really interesting because like I'm at the part where she's talking about defining your problem. It's just a really cool example of where to start defining your problem and how naturally when we think about a problem, we think about it from a very basic angle. How do you usually go about navigating things? Like, let's say, okay. Well, like, if, I, if I use my job as an example. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you fucking hate it right I now. I hate it. You are so not valued. So I feel really confused and I feel really conflicted and I, immediately just want someone to come along and save me. I'm not going to lie. I just want someone to come up with a solution that's really easy and that works. And I've been looking at it from the perspective that the job's the problem. It is merely the problem. My dissatisfaction with that job is the problem. But through going 
by going through the questions of trying to define the problem, to understand all the aspects of the problem. So what are the ripple effects of me being dissatisfied with my work? What are all the other things that get affected by that? Why do I hate it so much? What's the problem? So I start, you know, looking at all the areas that it's affecting and then, you know, you go to summarize that problem. So you shorten it and you go, okay, well, what does that depict then? If it's hitting all these areas, what is this problem really? And then how can I turn that around into what I want versus what I don't want? Yeah. So you turn it into a positive. What's the difference between that and then like just throwing the whole positive psychology thing on something and being like, done, fixed, like, don't look at the problems, look at the solutions. Like, I just feel, I think what you're saying is different from that. Can you explain, like, could you explain that difference more? Because, like, I feel like there's nuance there. It isn't about just seeing things on the bright side and being like, all right, well, what's the real problem? Okay, this is the problem, like, it doesn't take away from, like, how shitty you're feeling right now and how it's manifesting in your body and how you feel suffocated in a way with your options. Like, what do I do? Like, mm -hmm. you know, you, you can't change that much within your job because you have been trying to do that. So it's like there's, like, another element there that you're doing. What is it? For me... It doesn't change the problem. The problem is still there. It By defining the problem more clearly and the extent of the problem, not just saying it's merely, oh, I'm just dissatisfied, it's just annoying, I just don't like this, that and the other, and experiencing all the ripple effects of that, but consciously I'm reducing it. I'm actually reducing the problem. So I'm not, I'm not fully seeing it. So by expanding on the problem, I'm actually acknowledging the shit. I'm acknowledging the shit, the shit more than just um, I would be before stuck in the surface level problem, right? So for me, then I can go, all right, well, where do I want to move from there? I can get more clarity about where I'm actually going instead of feeling like I'm just stuck in the problem because I don't really understand it. Like I haven't really looked at it deeply enough. Mm. Right. So it's not simply just flipping it on its head and going, well, I'm just going to focus on the positives. It's more like, Hey, where do I want to move to now? I can get an idea of the solution once I've navigated where the real problems lie, because until you know where the real problems lie, you can't, you can't really move towards a real solution because you don't know whether you're actually hitting the core of the problem. Mm. So for me, I had a little, I had a bit of an aha and it made me feel like I can what was, what solve was a aha? lot of the problems within the dissatisfaction mm. by doing some different things. So one thing I realized yeah. was that, one of the reasons why I'm so dissatisfied with going back to work is because I see it as 
an obstacle to doing all the other things that I want to yes, be doing. It's like getting in the way. Like if it wasn't for this, I'd be so much further ahead. I'll be doing the things I actually love. Exactly. And before, when I first started, it was like, this is an opportunity, um, you know, because, you know, it's isolation. There are not many jobs out there. Like I can feel safe in this, in the fact that I have a steady income. I have all those great things. And in my spare time, I can do the things that I want to be doing and build on those things. And I had such a clear structure, you know, I was like making my meal plans. I was making time for working out. Like I was literally go, 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 right? Somewhat exhausting. But then we go into lockdown and I start getting into the groove of working from home and being able to take creative breaks and do all these different things and really like have so much agency and um, look mm. after my sister, like all these things have become the norm and it's just so much more flexible. It's so much more free and you know, like there's you momentum. Expanded. You, you were able to expand mm -hmm. going back to like your world, like that whole idea, you expanded your world and I had more room to move in it. And then being called back into work, like time to go back to normal. It's like your world suddenly just goes, just shrinks. It shrinks. And I resent every moment I'm there every moment. And so everything changed though. Like I stopped eating. I stopped exercising, you know, like I'm all of a sudden just, I'm not doing all those things that made me happy before that made me more sustained before, because I'm so focused on it. It's more my mentality that has changed, that it's taking me away from all those things that I, I enjoy. Whereas before there could be more fluidity, more flexibility throughout the day. You know, I could go with my own ebbs and flows and I appreciated that so much. And I've seen so many gains in my health, so many gains in so many different areas that I didn't want to give that up. I was afraid that I would have to give that up. And so when I realized that through going through these questions, I, I thought, okay, great. There, like, I just need to implement in the meantime all the things that enrich my life and not see it as getting in the way. But if I can listen to a podcast or if I can do a, a couple of creative things at work, see that as a bonus <laughs> um, rather than, rather than it being like not enough. So the way, I mean? so the way that you are negotiating what you want, the terms of your world, mm -hmm. is by categorizing things differently. Yes. And how I did that was because part of this process is to turn it into, from the problem, into what you want. So you, you understand all the different aspects of the problem, Yeah. the overarching problem. Then you go, what's, I guess the opposite of that or what is that I'm actually working towards. Do you want to give tangible examples as you're walking through that? Because yeah, I just feel like it's so, like we already have this example and it's just so much easier. Yeah. So, um, I wish I had my book, but basically the, the question I could ask myself is because of all the aspects that it actually destroys. Like I don't, 
get to like I don't feel like my 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 relationships are as rich because I feel so out of body so tired like I can't formulate ideas and all this because I'm so exhausted I'm from work poor right as well. I'm time poor I can't you know create as much mm. you know I'm um I'm not exercising as much I feel I feel so drained and I, another thing is like I love researching and I just don't have the time to to both do creative stuff and also learn at the same time. Um, so I want more time for that. I want more flexibility for that. So I started thinking, okay, well, how can I, that's, those are the things that I want. I want more energy. I want to be satisfied at work. I want to see it for what it is, which is literally just for money. Mm-hmm. I want, so it's, it's mostly about the energy so that I can do the problems, the energy, mm. the problem is the energy. So how do I manage my energy? It's like, so how do I create more energy for myself so that I can do all these other things so I can enrich, enrich my life. And when I looked at the bigger picture, I realized this is a stepping stone to being paid for things that come naturally to me have more time for friends, have more time for my family, have more time for my creative projects. That's what it's about. Whereas I was seeing it so short term before. Yeah. Like I was being short sighted. So now I'm thinking, how can I create, how can I move more closely towards the future I want to create, which is being paid for what I do most naturally and to create and be and blah, 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 blah. So it came back to how can you have the most fun? How can you bring the most energy back into your life? How can you do the best for yourself? So now those became the, those things became the things that you were negotiating for. Exactly. Like those are the outcomes now instead of like, how the fuck do I get back home so I could just work there? Yes. So that I could do these little creative things in between. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's so interesting. I really like that reframe. Girl, I really like that. Yeah. And, yeah, because, like, what you did was you worked out the actual needs and then you tied that in with, like, your values, which is you. The, your values are, like, your body, your energy, mm-hmm. yeah, your impact on the world. Your needs are the exploration, like how you're spending your energy, how you're spending, you know, all those things, your impact, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's the how behind it. So then by working that out, then you're able to be like, okay, well, how do I negotiate so that I get closer to that? Exactly. And that negotiation is like a combination between like you kind of negotiating with yourself, but also like conversations with your boss. Have you? Well, I mean, one can expand on that further, but first, okay, I feel like yourself. first I do me. Yeah. So I can change. I can I can make more time for exercise in the morning, which is the most important thing because it gives me more energy throughout the day. Mm. Hydrating properly. Mm. All these like really really small things that are going to give me so much more energy. 
um, that I was just depleting myself with because I was so focused on my resentment. <laughs> right? Yeah. That I just, by the time I get home, I have nothing left. <laughs> Too tired from hating so much. <laughs> you so much bitter, hate. bitter person. <laughs> I was so bitter. So bitter. I could, I was like, I have never, I don't even recognize this person that I am. I'm like, you're like fucking sunshine. What's the noise? <laughs> I'm hot. No, but <laughs> shit. You blew right onto the mic. All right. That <laughs> was fucking weird. But also really uncomfortable in my ears. Negotiate away from me. <laughs> uh, we're new to this, guys. <laughs> okay, so it's so interesting because, like, the way that I go about it, because, like, for me, I'm super visual if my circles didn't give it away. But I'm mega visual. And the way that I relate to the world is kind of spatially. Mm -hmm. I, I see ideas as actual objects. And then I see like, why does this feel this way? Or why is that happening? And what I realize is that when we want to do something in life, and then suddenly we can't do it, or it's taken away, we were doing it, it was taken away, or we're told you can't do it this way, it can only be done through this way, whatever it is. The reason why we get that resentment is because this is a movement problem. Anger, the feeling of anger is there in your body to push you in a direction. That's why anger just bubbles up and you can't, like all you can do is do something. Mm -hmm. You don't know what, sometimes it's like a blind rage. But anger is a very doing energy. And I, I think that happens. You get that anger, that resentment response because it's a movement problem. You want to move through life in a certain way in this world of yours. Mm -hmm. Yet someone's like, you're not allowed to move that way. You can only move in zigzags. Or you can only move every second second. Or you can only move outside of office hours. Yeah. You can only move if it's within the vicinity of your desk. You know? So people are like literally trying to tell you how to physically move your body, but also how to move your energy throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Your attention, your time, all that kind of stuff. And for me, what I've found is that when that happens to me, when suddenly I can't move in the way I wanted to move, I can't meet my needs the way I wanted to meet them, and I was meeting them so well, like there was no reason why it should be changed. Like everything was so good, mm -hmm. you know? I, I get so mad that a part of me, my gut instinct just wants to rebel and do it anyway. But even if I did the thing anyway, the thing that I originally wanted to do, I moved in the same way that I originally intended to move, it wouldn't be the same. Because as soon as that happens, as soon as your movement is changed, your needs change. And mm. when your needs change, the movement that you need to fulfill those needs also change. So going back to the original thing you wanted, it's actually a moot point now not actually going to satisfy you and it doesn't feel satisfying yeah you know because the point i lost the point yeah 
I lost the point of why I was doing it in the first place. Yeah. Because I got a taste of kind of melding the two worlds and I didn't want to have to go back to like this definitive black and white kind of situation. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, like I want to do what I most, like I want to do what I want to do full time. Yeah. And I want a job job on the side that means nothing to me. Job nothing. Job. And then I get upset because I don't have enough meaning in my day to day. Because you're in your job job. Because <laughs> I'm in my job job. <laughs> Uh, and I'm not used to the job job. So it's tough for me, guys. Um, but that's what I wanted. I got exactly what I wanted. So now I'm like, oh, now I need to look for something that I'm more suited to, like more fulfilling and blah, blah, blah. No, because that's going to, I'm going to put my whole, my whole self into that. And then I'm going to have nothing left over. Yeah. Once again. Because, because. You're a part of you is yearning to go back to that original movement, mm-hmm. moving through your day to day in the same way. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, it's like an all or nothing thing. Yeah. In other words, instead of trying to battle it out, dominate one over the other, you see it in layers. Mm-hmm. And you work out what's the ecosystem. You see it in layers and you harmonize. Because maybe coexisting in harmony has different benefits and opportunities that you wouldn't have had if you didn't come, if you were only walking through life alone and you never had to navigate your reality because it was all about you. Everything was centered around you. It's so interesting because like you're bringing up a point which fascinated me. How Mm -hmm. do we see harmony? We see harmony as totality like the reason why people think harmony in the world you think like peace harmony yeah harmony as in like a state of agreement of unity of oneness just being docile but that's what people think that's why people think it's so unattainable and that's the whole argument for like it's a doggy dog world you got to conquer because otherwise harmony doesn't exist because there's no way that we'll ever be able to be in that unity it's true. It's true. There is no way that we will all agree on a mutual reality that we're all happy with. It doesn't work that way. But the answer isn't then, you know, like, taking over. Oh my god, that gave me such a fright. Your cat was right by the window, but, like, it looked like a person, like a man, because it's dark outside. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, do you have someone peering in? Yeah, I would your... not surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> I actually it had a conversation a with a friend who was here just earlier today, and she's like, oh, it sucks that you can't, like, open up your blinds, and I've opened them up. And she, I'm like, yeah, because creeper peepers. <gasps> creeper peepers. Yeah, anyway, anyway, that really it's just my cat. Just a kitty cat. But yeah, we see harmony as a noun, when really the answer is in harmonizing, like the verb, the doing. And I feel like that's where people trip up. It's that like, what is, how do we harmonize, you know? And when you look at harmony as a verb, if we look at that, harmonizing, we see that in music, yeah? In a song, there's a harmony. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And what's a harmony? A harmony is a melody that is sung at the same time as the lead line that enhances it in some way. 
yeah? A harmony doesn't fight the lead line. A harmony complements. And you could have multiple harmonies. You could have positive harmonies, negative harmonies. You have harmonies in any direction. You could add as many harmonies as you want. It will all complement each other. Yeah? And that's only possible when you go back to seeing things like layers, which is kind of like music, like a composition. You see it all in layers, like the different melodies, you know, the different, like the backing track, you know, this, that, like all these things, they're all layers and they all complement each other. And the cool thing about harmony and music, like you, when you put two notes together, you end up with this really cool thing where you create this third note that was never there to begin with. You create this third sound that wasn't there, which ties her back to what he was saying, which was really, really cool. So I thought that was really awesome. It's all about taking the approach where it's like, how can I add dimension and nuance? How can I, how can I add this richness to it? When you see like negotiating reality that way, you know, like negotiating what you want that way as a process of like harmonization, then you could see it is those layers. It is, it is the process of working out, okay, what does the lead line sound like? How does it move? How does it work? You know, how can we enhance it? How can we make it sound different by adding this thing, by adding, you know, that thing there. And then within harmonizing, like you have so many different techniques that you can use to create such interesting sounds and interesting movement within the piece. You could use like polarity, you can use tension, you can use like, you start, you start playing with like the edges of it, you start playing with how you can move things around, how can you play with like something that's called harmonic freedom. And it's just the parallels between that and how we can go about creating a world where nuance is celebrated, where we can have all these different views and different Symphony ways of doing of things. of ideas all at once. Oh my God, that is accurate, but also so cheesy. <laughs> um, it plays to your analogy. Thank you very much. <laughs> it goes with it. Thank you. But like writing music, a lot of musicians know standard harmonic progressions that they know sound good. So it's safe to just put in music and music ends up like you end up developing the sound that you know is good, but it sounds the same. And the only way out of it is when you start putting things, interesting things together and you start really just experimenting and trying to see what happens when you remove boundaries, when you change, when you blend things, when you change things around, when you don't try and add new notes, but instead you restructure what you already have, you know? And when, so tying it back, like coming full circle, when you're put in a position that you don't want to be in, you playing that familiar harmony that you know sounds good is the equivalent of you doing what you know you're supposed to do in this new position. Mm -hmm. The process of harmonizing 
of adding and subtracting layers and playing with what could work and what can sound different, that is, that is negotiation. That's being like, all right, what if we add this? What if we change this? Like, that is you trying to construct a reality that sounds different. You're creating a track that actually sounds completely different and it has a completely different feel to it as well. There's a lot of power in layers. You can change so much in layers. Depending on where you place the harmonies in a song, you can make a song sound melancholic. You can make it sound exciting. You can make it, you can manipulate it in so many ways. And I think that when you look at things in a way where it's like, all right, gotta conquer, like I'm after that lead line. I gotta change the lead line. Otherwise the rest of the composition is gonna have to be that way. That's just using that same thinking of like, these are the only harmonies that are allowed to be sung along that lead. Instead of seeing it as, okay, let's, let's see how we can add flavor and richness and depth to it. Because at the end of the day, you're always going to have people with conflicting realities. You're going to have people whose integrity doesn't match up with your integrity. We're never going to get to that oneness kind of harmony. It's never going to be a thing. So instead, like, what if we approach the world in a way where we want these layers? Where we're actively creating a harmony rather than taking a position of passive peace making, right? It's completely different. And that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that, that passive peacemaking is, it adds the resentment. Also on top of that, it's a short-term solution because resentment can only build for so long or it eats you up on the inside. And thirdly, it's also disingenuous. Like, if you're faking being polite, you're not, no one's really expressing themselves. Like, no one's really being. Well, everyone loses. So it doesn't help anyone to hold on to that and build that resentment on either end, right? No one wins. Yeah. Asking the right questions, coming from a, from a place of curiosity to be like, hey, what do you want in this situation? This is what I want in this situation. Are we getting those things? Let's navigate, negotiate. Yeah. What's how the we can, melody you want to play? Yeah. Let's work out where should we put you within the song? Do you come before or after? Like, do we play at the same time? You know? Yeah. It's like now you could start playing around with positioning. Mm -hmm. When everyone is, when everyone like properly articulates the melody they really want to play. Now we have something to work with. We can move things around. Everyone gets to move in the way they want to move. Hold up. Don't go anywhere because we want to hear from you. Have you had a new thought, realization or perspective shift during this episode? Tell us about it. Wherever you're listening from, this conversation is just getting started. Head to the comment section of this episode. The link is in the description. Or if you're listening on YouTube, just scroll down and share your insights with us. Be sure to include the timestamps so we know the part that spoke to you.
This podcast is here to spark broader conversation and the fun part for us is exploring it with you. Because when we pull our minds together, we're not so fucked after all.